Well, hello, and welcome to Secrets of Saturn, the weekly live stream. Our almost weekly, we do our best here. I am Jason Lindgrenier, your host, in case you don't know who I am. This week, the Fantastic Four is together. Which one of you is Ben Grimm, by the way? Is that you, Baldini? I think so. <laughs> 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 He's Butter Boy. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. All right, oh, who boy. wants to shout flame on? Flame on. I'll shout flame on. <laughs> That's it. I'm oot. <laughs> you're oot. I guess oot you're the invisible boot. woman then. Oot no boot. Oot no boot. All right, guys. Well, we didn't do anything last week because uh, I was preoccupied and Rose was doing a debate on the second son, which she absolutely cremated the ding dong that was on with her because... She master debated. Well... It, to be fair, that girl had no, had no business being there. She didn't know anything about it. Uh, I mean, that was, not to be rude, but kind of freaking pointless. I mean, Rose just cremated her because Rose had the facts in the second son. This girl had a, uh, what, a first-year college education or something kind of weak like that. But anyway, that's out there if you guys want to see it. What is that called? Modern Modern Day Debate is the actual official name of the show? I, I got to um, Rose has to send that to me. She... Because I was, you guys asked me, but I was I forget why I had something going, but I haven't heard it yet. Now I want to hear it. Oh well, she she had all the, she had everything in her corner, and the other girl was just kind of like a like I I listened to a little <laughs> bit of the way she sounds. I was like, oh my god, like that's embarrassing. <laughs> like I, I whether the second son or not yeah. is right, what they had like Rose's opponent was embarrassingly bad to be there. I just caught the end of it, and just, uh, you know, my take on it is uh, Rose's opponent seemed very uh, overconfident and, uh, you know, kind of one of those people that, you know, thinks the oh. the whole concept of flat earth is kind of silly and stupid, and, you know, you, you really don't have to do much to prove against it that it's not a thing or anything, but uh, she really didn't come off as sounding, like, overly knowledgeable about anything. In fact, she made a couple of... Uh, uh, reference points and stuff there that uh, were completely and totally inaccurate. So, like, it, it, she didn't even know the material at all. Ah, Dunning-Kruger poster child. I love uh, it. Pretty much, because mm -hmm. Rose and I took a look at her YouTube channel. I was just like, okay. Intellectual, <laughs> not present. So, anyway, I'm trying not to be rude, but it's just like I was so unimpressed with this individual. I'm not saying that everything we all talk about is 100% correct all the time because we said so. But it's just like, come on, if you're going to have a quote-unquote <clears throat> debate, at least have people who are capable of holding the other side of the thing. Like, I, I could probably go up against flat earthers, not that I would want to, and win. Just because I understand certain things about astrophysics and, and, and normal physics and things like that. Same thing with you, Baldi. If you wanted to cremate a, a, a person who was a flat earther, you probably could do it, but you wouldn't want to because a lot of people just don't take the time to learn basic stuff that they just need to understand. Sure. Most people um, believe that they know much more than they do. They have confidence uh, in... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have confidence. Inspired in but undeserved have... confidence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can you take a moment, Very by the stupid. way, if you think you could do it justice, Baldini, and explain what the Dunning-Kruger effect is, if I'm pronouncing that correctly?
Sure, Dunning Kruger effect. It's uh, it's essentially the the, the idea that people, um, when they initially encounter any topic, uh, uh, fields of study, um, they lack the exact tools that they need to judge their own competency, <laughs> which means that um, they don't have enough skill or capability to understand what <laughs> what skill and capability is necessary, and so people always uh, initially. Um, expect that they're going to do well at something, right? And so they believe that they know something um, that they don't. And the the typical curve, and I don't know if I could j- share a, an image um, real quick, but you can um, you can certainly uh, do. Let's see, Dunning Kruger. You can certainly take a look at um, at, at this. If, I don't know if I can share this, but you can certainly do. If I just put this Dunning Kruger, um, put it in the chat here. You can certainly just do an image search for Dunning Kruger effect. Um, <clears throat> there you go in the chat, Dunning Kruger, um, and it will uh, give you this um, uh, basic graph that shows a big steep <laughs> initial curve, and uh, that's the what they call the peak of Mount Stupid, <laughs> and which is followed by a big deep decline uh, into uh, the Valley of Despair. When you realize, uh, as soon as you realize that, when you begin to try to apply skills that you think you know and you don't have. <laughs> If you begin to apply it, most people never get there. Um, they just believe that they know the information. And this is essentially what uh, school is at this time uh, in the United States and certainly most Western uh, countries is uh, indoctrination camps or school <laughs> uh, essentially teaches you that if you repeat things well, you know the information. And that's absolutely not true. You have um, the trivium, as um, Crow has pointed out on numerous occasions, going through rhetoric and logic is uh, far better. Uh, far better effect. Anyway, Dunning Kruger effect. You can just look it up. There it is. D U N N I N G Kruger K R U G E R. And the reason why I wanted you to go over that is because I've heard a couple of these debates, not just the stuff with Rose, but with uh, some other folks. And usually the people that they uh, choose for the globe side end up sounding really, really dumb. And it's because they just don't even understand basic concepts that. <laughs> I don't even know how to explain this without sure. it, sounding repetitive. It's like they just don't get it. Yeah, when when they lack the information, what they almost initi- almost always do inevitably is they will go to ad hominem attacks or uh, direct Bingo. attack on the yep. other person. So what they do, right? So the first thing they usually do is appeal to authority. Well, the entire body of science says we we know well, okay, science. So Science, right? Well, okay, we'll demonstrate this, right? So, tell, tell me, give me this uh, body of science. Tell me these uh, experiments you're talking about. Yeah, but well, 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 you just don't understand it. Okay, so now we're now it's you know appeal to consensus and appeal to authority, and then followed by you don't understand. This is <laughs> this is an ad hominem attack. Um, we, we you're retarded. You don't get it, right? So now you're just putting the burden of proof on the other person, going you don't get it. Uh, I know. Right. It's just it's the same stuff. It's hubris, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> and it's fun. Well, this this is the thing I keep seeing over and over again, which is what I have a problem with. Uh, for instance, when Nathan Thompson was visiting with us a couple weeks back, he had gone on these two dingbats show who apparently they just like to make fun of Nathan a lot and, and other flat of people. They had nothing. Like literally, as soon as Nathan started trying to talk to him about who I am, because I, I talked, I actually asked these guys a couple questions. And I was like, oh, my God, they're the. They're intellectually stunted. Like everything yes. about Mental- them, yeah, I can't remember their names. Um, well, you midgets. open by saying they're making fun of somebody, so that might tell you what level they're at. Well, the, the, exactly. yeah, the maturity level is definitely not there. But these are like middle-aged men, if I remember correctly. And I was right. just, and I'm trying to have a real conversation with them, and just 
they couldn't get past belittling. And if all you've got is picking on somebody, like, like especially if you stoop as low as, like, what somebody's haircut's like, or, or they're fat, or they, like, what is that? What does that have to do with anything? And you will find that almost without exception, again, that they will very rarely, almost in, in, with any of these topics, right? It doesn't matter whether it's the shape of the earth or whether it's um, terrain theory versus virus theory. Um, what you're going to find is that m- most people um, will rarely debate the actual facts themselves. Yep. Um, what they you're do right. is they uh, initially go again after the person. And so they use ad hominem attacks against the person. That ad hominem literally means against the man, right? So against the person, you're attacking the person. Or um, you attack the source of the information. Oh, you got it from the internet. <laughs> okay, well, everything in the world is on the internet. So what is, what do you, what is that? <laughs> 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 it's like, so nothing is real because it's on the internet now? Uh, so, My TV uh, told me so. That's better information right It's now. better. You came from television. It's the guy more science. Told me My website's better than your website. It's way better. My website's way better. Scan in. It's super fancy. Here, I'll post a link that goes right to PubMed to tell you this. There you go. So <laughs> they, they will never they will never address the actual data itself. They always address either the source of the information or the person telling them, right? So uh, either you got this information, it's a conspiracy theory, you got it from some crazy person, um, you, you got it from the internet, you watched a YouTube video, or they just call you dumb. Right? They, they never can actually address the, the, the actual data itself. And it's almost um, universally true. All right. So the document we're going to go over tonight is called, let me make sure I get the entire title in here, The SPARS Pandemic. And that is spelled S-P-A-R-S, 2025 to 2028. So this is a hypothetical projection of an approximate three-year scenario. And it is called <laughs> hypothetical. a... Yeah, hypothetical. It's a, it's a very robust anti-fragile <laughs> Oh, I'm waiting for it. <laughs> A futuristic well, guys, scenario for public health risk communicators, in, right? the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. And this was another Wayne find, so well done on you, sir. Let's see health what security. What year okay, is this from? Stuff. I didn't check to see what year this is from. Wayne, do we know what year this is from? 2017. Okay, so this is this is current. This is probably oh, there it is, October 2017. Okay. Uh, so let's get into this in a moment, but I do want to take uh, a moment. I, I made a new commercial, a, n- a new soundbite for our friend Randy from Houston and Lower the Friction. And he sent me some for the new van that we got. Well, not new van. It's a very old van, actually. But we got a van to help out with Rose that has a wheelchair left in it once we get it working right. And he sent me a bottle of Lower the Friction because that thing only gets like 18 miles per gallon at best. Ooh, I was going to so. mention I got mine, too, and a new vehicle to put it into. So I've been... Uh, yeah, taking notes uh, before I put it in. Yep, yeah. I just I just got it in there. I filled up the gas tank. I took all the wrote down all the numbers and everything. So we're gonna see. Let's see what it actually gets now because he also has a van that is a little bit not as old as mine. Mine is a 1999, but vans in general they're not known for great gas mileage. So we'll we'll see what it gets. It was it was getting really bad gas mileage when uh, with the first tank of gas I had in it. But anyway, here is the new soundbite, and we'll be back in a moment. Shipping. 
So everybody was saying there was an echo on that. Yeah, it was bad. Um, I don't know it why was that like would be, vibrato. but let me, let me check why that would be. Hmm. I turned it on for a second. It was more like a vibrato gone wild. Hmm. Might want to stick to the old sound bite, Jason. Well, <laughs> the big reason why we cut a new one is because he's offering a slightly different thing of, uh, what do you call it, promo code SOS gets you free shipping. Which okay, can actually cool. be a lot better than... Uh, so the soundbite has a new taste to it. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's a tasty, a tasty new soundbite. But yeah, I can't wait to, to toss that in. Again. All right. So yeah. unfortunately, I boogered that up somehow. I'll have to test that off the air and see why it's echoing. And there must be a double, double sound on somewhere that I'm unaware of. Uh, OBS is like that. If you, have, if you start adding sources, sometimes it'll add multiple volume controls and if you don't happen to notice oh, it because yes, they it will. yeah it starts <laughs> the problem is it puts them beneath everything else so if you don't realize they're there you have to go digging but I'm not going to do that to everybody again so anyway well, and that's why this, that's why the name of the program is because every about half the time you use it you go oh bs yeah exactly so. <laughs> it works well so far but yeah there's a lot of little quirks you got to know and, and I only know the basics so my apologies for killing everyone's ears, but here's the deal. Uh, Randy from Houston, our friend, uh, his company, Lower the Friction, that's what we're trying out again. I, I put it in my Honda. I get sometimes on the highway 42 miles per gallon in that little thing, uh, which is several miles per gallon higher than what it's rated at from the factory, so that that's cool. Uh, but he said he found even better uh, performance increases with his van. So I'm, that's what I'm really curious about. So he sent me a bottle to try with that. And uh, Wayne, did you get yours? And Crow, did you get yours? Yes. Yes, I got um, mine. And I actually just changed my oil last week and uh, put that in. So we'll see if it increases the, the gas mileage. It should at least uh, a little my, bit. My older car, it's a 2011 Chevy Traverse. It so seems we'll that see with older that vehicles, goes. it actually works better because newer newer vehicles are obviously, their parts are more efficient. Everything, Nothing's broken down too bad yet. So let's, let's all just uh, recount every week and we'll see where we're going. How about you, Crow? Did you get it? Um, I haven't been into town to the post office, so I, I know I got to get there. I got three emails today. You're the third person who's notified me that there's something at the post office, so I just got to go. Gotcha. All right. Well, we'll here, here's the deal. Uh, go to lowerthefriction.com. If you use promo code SOS, you get free shipping. That's the deal. I'll make sure that the commercial works well next week. Randy from Houston, of course, we love you very much. Yeah, man. All right. Let's get to this document. Oh, before we do that, actually, let me take two seconds out to tell everybody Wayne McCroy is going to be starting his own official full-length two-hour podcast, and we're working out awesome. the details. But, Wayne, do you want to tell everybody about that for a second before we get into this? Yeah, man. Um, what it is is I'm looking to transition into trying to do this kind of thing, devote more time to it, and maybe eventually go full-time with it. And I'm thinking maybe— You and me both, uh, brother. Awesome. Yeah. Go. Yeah, you go, man. Maybe starting in the, the podcast realm, uh, I'm thinking, is the best way to go and uh, try I'd and listen move to that forward shit. there. You bet. <laughs> you go. <laughs> so, Tell me where to sign up. <laughs> well, I still have to work out all the uh, details and stuff like that, so I'm not ready to give it a go just yet, but it should be coming up within the next couple months. Uh, I should be 
you know, have my stuff well enough together uh, to actually get that off the ground and running. And then uh, from there, uh, who knows what other things I'll have my hands in. So, ooh, ooh, <laughs> yeah, so exactly. Exciting. Ooh, very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. So what we're going to be doing first is uh, Wayne asked me if I would write a piece of music for it. And I got inspired and wrote something in about 15 minutes, and I played it for him today, and I shared the lyrics with... Uh, oh, the best with ones him. come that way. Yeah. yeah, it was one of those moments where the, like, the universe just said, here, here's a song, write this right now. And it just it just flowed right out of me, and I was like, well, I actually kind of like this. And I was like, all right, That's Wayne, awesome. here's the lyrics. When we have a minute, call me, and I'll play it for you. And he said he liked it, <clears> so... I got our friend Brett Dietz on the phone and said, hey, you want to play some drums for me? So he's going to come down to my studio. That and guy's solid. Yeah. Yep, we're going to do a full-blown so, rock and roll song. So, Wayne, are you pre-recording? Are you doing right. this live? No, I'm probably going to be pre-recording. So, uh, you know, uh, I might do live streams on my YouTube channel just to kind of do like a, you know, a backup uh, for that kind of thing. But I'm thinking I, I want to do the podcast format where I record ahead and maybe I'll consider getting guests on. Uh, it's probably going to follow up with uh, much of what I've been covering on my YouTube channel lately, uh, which is looking back at the old esoteric texts of like the, the secret societies and, and different things like that, looking at these older volumes and actually just going through and uh, kind of going into detail about a lot of what's in there and picking apart uh, the different things that are within some of these documents. And I've got a treasure trove of these things sitting here sure. so uh, sure. and and always gathering more so you should make sure that rose before you do your first one you should make rose or make sure rose books you on us so that we can have at least some sort of ready-made audience when you launch uh, i'd appreciate that and we'll we'll go ahead and yeah we'll work out the bugs i mean i'm talking to jason all the time so yep i'm gonna help wayne get everything set up make sure he is absolutely set up for success right out right from the get-go so all right we ready to rock and roll success. here success success <laughs> I just got the uh, I just got the link from the interview I did with Phoenix Aurelius, so I sent that to Rose. Put it up. On oh, cool! Well, you know what? I don't think a lot of people know about that, so why don't you talk about that for a second? Phoenix Aurelius is one of the very few uh, living men in the world that is practicing alchemy, spagyric specifically, but alchemy, real deal, high level, um, having inherited one of the top alchemist papers uh in utah if i'm understand correctly and he'd been on our show a couple times and there was a huge falling out because people had ideas about whether the world is flat or spinning of all the silly things in the world to throw the baby out and you know with the bathwater. so i built some bridges over time it's been i don't know what's it been jason two years i went back on yeah it was a very good interview um and i'm hoping i can have him back on our show by maybe August and see if we can smooth the road because we desperately need people who can do high level spagyrics. Um, so I'm trying to build bridges back there. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing, guys, we don't have to all agree on everything hundred percent. That's cool. People are people. A anybody who spends time just attacking another person who's trying to just do good work and get good information out there, you're the problem. Stop it. Knock it off. That's all I have to say about that crap. Just We all have to be working together. You don't have to agree on every single thing 100%. A lot of the stuff isn't even provable. There's just questions that need answers, right? 
well, it, you know, it's when it, a thing is true, eventually it is what it is. So it doesn't matter how many arguments have been had leading to that point. Um, it's not a reason not to get along with someone. It's more important to get along with your worst enemy right now than it is to do anything else. Because in case you haven't noticed, uh, there are people trying to subjugate everybody you know. So it makes zero sense not to be amiable and helpful to as many people as you can, regardless what they think. All right, I think I'm done with being on my soapbox for the moment, so let's get into the document, and I think, entertainingly, let's start with the disclaimer. This is a hypothetical scenario designed to illustrate the public health risk communication challenges that could potentially emerge during a naturally occurring infectious disease outbreak. Naturally. Naturally. Requiring development and distribution of novel and or investigational drugs, vaccines, therapeutics, or other medical countermeasures. The, inf the <coughs> excuse me, the infectious pathogen, medical countermeasures, characters, news media excerpts, social media posts, and government agency responses described herein are entirely fictional. So say Just they. like the real ones. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's actually call this spade what it is. It's quite possible that this document is a outline for the next time they're going to do this fake demic nonsense except the next time if this is what this document is it goes three years instead of just over one um that's the reason we're covering we should just call a spade a spade at this point right we? well as we were yeah, talking about a little while ago the uh crow and i both agreed that uh we don't think this thing is going quite as well as as they paint the picture because even the ding dong governor of Louisiana yesterday pulled the mask mandates for everything and oh my god that man loves his freaking COVID I can't believe they did it so there you go guys you want to ever see Washington DC you better love yourself some COVID my governor of my state did that she's in DC now there you go and, and we know that there's there's plans behind all this stuff we know that these people are just doing what they're told and they're getting paid for it all right, let's get down here. Possible future in 2025, the echo chamber. Unbridled global access to information coupled with social fragmentation and self-affirming worldviews. Wow, is that a loaded title? Scenario purpose. The following narrative comprises a futuristic scenario that illustrates communication dilemmas concerning medical countermeasures that could plausibly emerge in the not-so-distant future. Ha ha. Its purpose is to prompt users, both individually and in discussion with others, to imagine the dynamic and oftentimes conflicted circumstances in which communication around emergency MCM development, distribution, and uptake takes place. MCM, by the way, is medical countermeasures. It looks like they're going to keep using that as the abbreviation. While engaged with Ooh, a... <laughs> While engaged with a rigorous simulated health emergency, scenario readers have the opportunity to mentally rehearse, quote unquote, responses while also weighing the implications of their actions. At the same time, readers have a chance to consider what potential measures implemented in today's environment might avert comparable communication dilemmas or classes of dilemmas in the future. All right, so there's our setup. Anybody got anything they wanna comment on? Oh, just that it sounds very sciencey from uh, right out of the gate there. It sure uh, does. Talk, 
talking that using the uh, medical countermeasures mcm we got to come up with our fancy abbreviations for everything and sound really intelligent and we're going to mentally rehearse our responses uh while weighing the implications of our actions so you know uh, just in case you know that's that's all it's, it's just robust, a scenario guys sure some know. robust countermeasures that are anti-fragile <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yes, we've got to be able to pivot just right uh, in order to attack this thing. So, Okay, so general purpose. This prospective scenario was developed through a combination of inductive and deductive approaches delineated by Ogilvy and Schwartz, whoever those Ogilvy. people are. Sounds like a uh, publishing firm. The time frame Use for the, the scenario <laughs> are the years 2025 to 2028 were selected first, and then major socioeconomic, demographic, technological, and environmental trends likely to have emerged by that period were identified. Specifically, two dominant trends likely to influence regulatory and public responses to future public health emergencies were selected. One, varying degrees of access to information technology. And two, varying levels of fragmentation among populations along social, political, religious, ideological, and cultural lines. This is sounding very, very familiar, isn't it? A scenario matrix was then constructed, illustrating four possible worlds shaped by these trends, with consideration given to both constant and unpredictable driving forces. Alrighty. Oh well, that's interesting right there. Um, you're talking about varying la levels of fragmentation among the populations along social and political and all kinds of different lines. And boy, aren't they really pushing the division right now? And they've been for the past, uh, you know, several years now since, uh, you know, Mr. Trump was in office uh, like that whole entire time. That's Nothing what it's like been all about. polarization, huh? Yeah. Right. It's just making the polarization to the way that it is right now. And uh, you know, notice they use the very sciencey term "matrix" in here, right? They they love their sciencey words like "matrix," and uh, I find it uh, also very telling that they're illustrating four possible scenarios with this. Okay, four. There's that magic number four once again. It's a foundational number. Okay, so this is telling me that this is a uh, a foundation. This is something they want to build upon or build from. So this is telling me that this is actually more than an exercise uh, just because of the fact that they use this type of, uh, I guess you could call it like an alchemical type of uh, proposition here, uh, using four different possible scenarios. And you'll notice they do that in a lot of these policy think tank papers because they've got to have the four corners. They got to have a solid foundation to build their plans upon. And this is how they do it. And it is kind of a uh, an alchemical or philosophical uh, type of a thing. It's it's the four very... cardinal directions and the four right. corners and all this. Four, stuff, yeah. four is the stablest shape. Um, there's right. nothing you, you can get a three. You can get a stool with three legs, but you get a very stable stool when you go to four. So Wayne, you're laying it down exact. Right, and that's basically how it is. So you'll notice, and I've noticed that with some of these other uh, documents and stuff, they they always line up four scenarios. Like you never see where it's. You, you see it, but most of the time, that's what you'll find is four scenarios in a lot of these planning documents. All right, let's continue on here. Ultimately, where are we? I'm sorry. Oh, okay, I got it. I got it. Sorry. 
Ultimately, a world comprised of isolated and highly fragmented communities with widespread access to information technology, dubbed the Echo Chamber, was selected as the future in which the perspective scenario would take place. From this point, scenario-specific storylines were then developed, drawing on subject matter expertise, historical accounts of past medical countermeasure crises, contemporary media reports, and scholarly literature in sociology, emergency preparedness, health education, and risk and crisis communication. These sources were used to identify communication challenges likely to emerge in future public health emergencies. This perspective scenario is not intended to predict events to come. Rather, it is meant to serve as a plausible narrative that illustrates a broad range of serious and frequently encountered challenges in the realm of risk and crisis communication. Well, we could ask a simple question. How in the hell could you possibly have predicted the events of 2020? Because that's basically what we're about <laughs> here. And to state flat out that this is not um, intended to predict events, but a plausible narrative. In other words, a playbook. I mean, what more do we need to see here? Anyone who has two brain cells left to rub together from the 80s, I mean, how could you possibly predict what happened in 2020 back in 2017 or whenever this was written? Hey, when foul cheese, um, he successfully predicted uh, that there would absolutely he guaranteed that there would be a surprise pandemic uh, during Trump's administration. Hmm. hmm. Shocking. I know. Have you he seen must, my surprised face? Yeah, he must watch The Simpsons or something. <laughs> Family guy. That's where he gets it. All righty, let's move on here. Scenario environment. In the year 2025, the world has become simultaneously more connected, yet more divided. Nearly universal access to wireless internet and new technology, including Internet Accessing Technology, or IAT, thin, flexible screens that can be temporarily attached to briefcases, backpacks, or clothing, and used to stream content from the internet, has provided the means for readily sharing news and information. However, many have chosen to self-restrict the sources they turn to for information, often electing to interact only with those with whom they agree. This trend has increasingly isolated cliques from one another, making communication across and between these groups more and more difficult. That is, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, exactly what they are doing on purpose in this day and age. Does anybody disagree with me? Yeah, ladles and jelly spoon, I'd like to introduce our next star. His name is Censorship. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Here's your little echo chamber. Go there. Here's your little echo chamber. You go over there. Oh, you have left-wing ideology? You hang out with these people over here in this little echo chamber. And oh, blue-haired right land whales? Here's Twitter. That's for you. Yes, wear your red tag. Here's a blue tag for you. That's right. Got to divide people up into these little subcategorizations and put them off in their own little internet ghetto. Here you go. Here, guys. These are all your buddies over here. You all hang out and just, you know, pat each other on the back and, you know, agree on everything. And that's that's kind of what they're doing. I mean, you see this in social media going on in spades. This is exactly what they do. Intellectual circle jerk. Usually without the <laughs> intellect. <laughs> Not too difficult. Maybe they'll just get a really skilled archer that can hit the bullseye every time. Go! <laughs> Speaking of archers, from a government standpoint, the current administration is led by President Randall Archer, who took office in January of 2025. Do you think they were Star Trek fans and took that from Captain Archer? 
Archer served as vice president under President Jacqueline Bennett, who was the previous president from 2020 to 2024, which would be the now president, who did not seek a second term due to health concerns. Oh, really? She must have gotten the thing. The beer bug. Yeah. (laughs) The two remain close, and Bennett acts as a close confidant and unofficial advisor to President Archer. The majority of President Archer's senior staff, including Department of Health and Human Services Secretary Dr. Sindra Nagel, are carryovers from Bennett's administration. At the time of the initial sparse outbreak, Nagel has served in this position for just over three years. So I guess that's supposed to be their Fauci people person. Is this just supposed to read like a Hollywood script? Because that's how this reads. Yeah, that's how this oh, reads. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but that's how they write them. Yes. Yeah. Well, Archer. I would like to just point out here, uh, you know, this President Archer, uh, obviously Danger representing. Zone. Yeah. Representing <laughs> uh, Joe Biden here, but also Archer. <laughs> this is a clear allusion to Sagittarius. Uh, Hunter. So. <laughs> um, you can see in vice president under, you know, the president, Jacqueline Bennett, uh, who did not seek a second term due to health concerns. Well, what do we see them pushing in the news right now? Biden, oh, everybody's talking about his his health and how uh, this uh, Kamala Harris will probably wind up taking over for him at some point. On, so it's man. the same you know kind the of thing, thing. echoed in here. Yeah, the thing. You the, know, thing. the thing. I thought it was the like thing. President Jean Benet. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Oh dear! And the, their version of Fauci here is Doctor Sindra Nagel, and I bet if you look up those two words and do an etymological breakdown of Sindra and Nagel, uh, you'll find something really interesting. Uh, you know, in the same way like Fauci. What does Fauci mean? Jaws, right? The yeah, jaws. Jaw, jaws of a predator. Right. No. So I, I bet you if you look up Sindra and Nagel and try to break those down phonetically and, and find uh, the etymology of those two words, uh, you'll probably arrive at something similar, in my view, I would, I Nagel would suspect. Is, Nagel is suddenly in Polish, like sudden. Okay, hmm. well, sudden. So it's going to hit I, I suddenly. 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 Yes, the fire. And, and Crow. I would suspect that Sindra would relate to fire somehow. And do you remember the what? sudden fire. Do you remember what we were told Fauci means? Yeah, it's the jaws wolf. of the wolf, literally. Yeah. Yeah. Jaws of the wolf, yeah, predatory wolf. Yeah. <laughs> he comes from Rome, I guess, right? Maybe. Gee, go from here. <laughs> must, be related, must be related to Romulus's mom. That's true. In regards to MCM communication, more specifically, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the Food and Drug Administration, and other public health agencies have increasingly adopted a diverse range of social media technologies, including long-existing platforms such as Facebook, Snapchat, people still use Snapchat, and Twitter, as well as emerging platforms like ZapQ, a platform that enables users to aggregate and archive selected media content from other platforms and communicate with cloud-based social groups based on common interests and current events. Federal and state public health organizations have also developed agency-specific applications and ramped up efforts to maintain and update agency websites. Challenging their (laughs) technological grip, however, are the diversity, there's that word again, of new information and media platforms and the speed with which the social media community evolves. Moreover, while technologically savvy and capable, these agencies still lag in terms of their multilingual skills, 
cultural competence and ability to be present on all forms of social media. This sounds like it was written by a nutcase from California. Additionally, these agencies face considerable budget constraints, which further complicate their efforts to expand their presence across the aforementioned platforms, increase social media literacy among their communication workforces, and improve public uptake of any key messages. Alrighty then. Yeah, man, it's all about the public uptake of key messages. That's why we'll put a fact check after every single post you make on social media, reminding re- you about the vaccine. That's so. a reuptake inhibitor. <laughs> That's something completely different, but not really. So this entire thing seems focused on just what public perception of a crisis is, not what the actual crisis is and what's going to be done about it. Right. Anybody That's catch that? Beginning part of this. Yeah, that's what the beginning part of this whole document's about. It's all about public perception, uh, all of it, (laughs) from start to finish. Oh, Wayne, did you have have a copy of that? I think I saw it on your Facebook feed uh, where somebody started uh, (laughs) the the, the, uh, fact check that never ends. Uh, Somebody put up (laughs) put up an image. uh, Oh, yeah. uh, NPCs (laughs) talking about the, the, you know, the jam, the prick, I guess is what we're supposed to call it now. And they keep putting, they keep putting a fact check on it. And the fact check just, it it keeps exponentially. The fact check keeps fact checking. (laughs) I was being obnoxious today. So I kept, I kept screenshotting it and then reposting it. And then a new, uh, the the new fact check would pop up underneath it. And there were already like three of them underneath it in the screenshot. So it just keeps adding to it. So now it's up to like five fact checks or something on it says the same thing it's awesome it's just (laughs) fact checking itself yes it just keeps (laughs) fact checking the fact check the fact the fact checkers so fact check the fact checking fact checkers (laughs) there you go you can make a t-shirt that says that (laughs) there you go fact check the fact checking fact checkers (laughs) (laughs) so f the effers i guess (laughs) (laughs) i guess Hey, can you drop the link for this PDF again? Someone was asking in the chat. Okay, thank you. I just did. All right. Next up we have Scenario Organization and This scenario was designed to illustrate the public health risk communication challenges associated with distribution of emergency medical countermeasures during an infectious disease pandemic. Define pandemic because they've called everything that we've experienced past year a pandemic, and I haven't seen any evidence whatsoever of a pandemic, just to get that out there. The story is organized chronologically, and each chapter concludes with a treatment of key communication dilemmas and corresponding discussion questions. Some questions are targeted towards challenges faced by risk communicators representing federal agencies, while other address issues more relevant to state and local risk communicators. As such, users may find it most helpful to run the scenario as a tabletop exercise. Alternatively, if users prefer to examine select communication dilemmas rather than proceed chronologically through the entire scenario, they may refer to appendices A through D, which contain the timelines for the response and recovery phases of the story, as well as indices of the communication dilemmas and their corresponding page numbers. And, and here's a pic- that, scary uh, picture here. One was run as a uh, tabletop exercise. So just point that out. That this Risk, uh, risk yeah. communicators? Why don't they just yeah. call them liars? Yeah, yeah, I got that too. Risk communicators. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a totally anti-fragile word right there, the risk <laughs> communicators. You know what, guys? I hate to do this, but I got a punch because Jason I got to release an episode in the morning and we got to record almost immediately after. So I got I to gotta bow out. 
All right, so let's take a moment and talk about what we're dropping. Um, were we sent, let's see, how long has it been? I would estimate in the last year and a half, I am aware of five children who have been born free and clear of birth certificates and soul prints, and Lord knows how many inoculations. Uh, we're going to cover a young family who set out to have a natural birth in their home without a soul print, without a birth certificate, and we're going to cover everything they had to go through to do it, including when the state or the municipality decided that they could insert themselves, that somehow they have rights over a new life that they don't have. Uh, it's quite a tale. What would you add, Jason? Yeah, that man, is so refreshing to see people actually doing this. And the entertaining way that the, uh, the official agencies sparred with him uh, it was kind of funny, especially when, when we get yeah. down to Alphonse telling them to uh, take a hike because of the way that they're trying to address them. Well, the, the other thing is, um, it's good to know, a lot of people don't think about this, there are still midwives and a midwife's assistant, which is called a doula. Um, these people still exist in our world. Uh, it's up in the middle of the country north, uh, and there were a number of them available, which leads me to believe that in larger cities there's probably many midwives. And the reason this matters is a lot of people will make the argument that the witch trials were about killing midwives, um, the pre-setup to Rockefeller medicine, removing the people who knew a thing or two, who were not only the right gender to know a thing or two about birth, but had been handed down traditions. So there's all that to play into it, but it's quite an episode, and it'll go out first thing tomorrow. Well, maybe not first thing, but before Jason and I have to record. Um, by the way, we're recording with uh, um, Marty, Marty Leeds. All right, so Crow, you have an outstanding evening, and we will continue on. All right, have fun, guy. See you in the morning. All right, man, have a good Mushroom. one. Mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> Baldini caught it. Butter. <laughs> David Avocado Wolf. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we love David. He's awesome. All right, so getting to The Spars Outbreak Begins, Chapter 1. Third, now, so we have a fake newspaper here that, says, third death in a week due to unknown illness in Twin Cities. A 42-year-old has passed away. In mid-October 2025, three deaths were reported among members of the First Baptist Church of St. Paul, Minnesota. Two of the church members had recently returned from a missionary trip to the Philippines, where they provided relief to victims of regional floods. The third was the mother of a church member who had also traveled to the Philippines with the church group, but who had been only mildly sick himself. Based on the patient's reported symptoms, healthcare providers initially guessed that they had died from seasonal influenza, which health officials predicted would be particularly virulent and widespread that fall. Oh. However, laboratory tests were negative for influenza. In stark contrast, by the way, everyone, to testing that has been done with the beer bug. It was just influenza. It was just found to be influenza A and B, just to let you know. Unable to identify the causative agent, officials at the Minnesota Department of Health's Public Health Laboratory sent the patient's clinical specimens to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, where scientists confirmed that the patients did not have influenza, again, in stark contrast to what is supposed to be the reality now. One CDC scientist recalled reading a recent ProMed dispatch describing the emergence of a novel coronavirus, oh, in Southeast Asia, oh, -uh. and ran up pan-coronavirus RT-PCR test. 
Oh. What? Nuh-uh. <laughs> oh, no way. A week later, the CDC team confirmed happen. that the three patients were, in fact, infected with a, wait for it, novel coronavirus, which was dubbed the St. Paul Acute Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus, or SPARS, COVE, or SPARS, after the city where the first cluster of cases had been identified. Okay, we're done here. Good night. <laughs> and thank you very much. Yeah, there was no pre-planning or anything involved with this. I mean, you know, Not I think they did folks. Yeah, they didn't spend like years and years trying to research, uh, say, uh, some of these, um, you know, gene therapy type vaccines or anything with the original uh, uh, SARS-CoV-1 or anything like that and had or, all kinds of bad results from that and wound up dropping the project the eventually. Yeah. Or what might be the easiest means to scare people with a constantly mutating novel coronavirus. Oh, geez. Oh, it's changed today. Get your next it's jab. You need a you new trick today. It, yeah, you need a new prick today. Changes every year. Yep, it, you, you, it constantly changes. You you need um, the next build, right? So just like you need the next operating system, you need to update to fourteen point five. You're going to need uh, your uh, you know your new jab fourteen point seven point one. This new build uh, updates that bug from the last time. <laughs> Don't forget to get your update today, or your va- vaccine passport goes uh, offline at midnight tonight. <laughs> Good luck getting that coffee in the morning. Indeed. Okay. Oops, I just lost my place. I do that every week. The CDC monitored the situation closely, working with partners in Southeast Asia to quickly develop a case definition for SPARS. SPARS. Sounds so so, so, uh, deadly. Are you my sparring partner? Mm, (laughs) That was not lost on me. Within four weeks of CDC publishing a working case definition on its website, nearly 200 suspected cases of SPARS were reported across Minnesota and six other states. It packs a lot of punch, does this document. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Given the flu season was just getting underway and that a rapid diagnostic test for spars cove infection was not yet available, and there never will be, CDC officials could not be sure if these were in fact true cases of spars. Nevertheless, on November 17th, HHS Secretary Dr. Sindra Nagel notified the World Health Organization about the U.S. cluster of spars cases, concerned that the outbreak might constitute a public health emergency of international concern. So let's talk about that for a moment, just from a common sense point of view. If they actually knew this that early on, where's the excuse that anything would spread to begin with? Anyone? Anyone want to take that? Uh, no, no, got no. nothing for you, man. Nothing, nothing. I mean, am I speaking common sense here, or am I just talking out my bunghole? Well, you're speaking common sense, but like that's kind of lost in this world today when people are walking around with diapers on their face for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that's beside the point. Uh, anyway, I, I find it interesting though. Look at these little uh, tweets that they have over on on the side here. Isn't that, that like, interesting? This scenario. It's from the CDC. It says holiday travel plans? Question mark. And it says hashtag stop spars by washing your hands and avoiding public places if you feel sick. If you feel hashtag vampire cough and avoid others to prevent the spread of spars stop spars saturday practice good hygiene during your thanksgiving travels remember thanksgiving guys uh, bring home leftovers not spars happy thanksgiving be safe on black friday if you brave the crowds wash your hands off and if you feel sick shop on cyber monday instead 
you mm. see the subtle the subtle programming going mm. on just with those over here along the side Mm. I, love, I love how they put the you know fictional dates on there, running from like uh, the 13th to the 28th of November, 2025. <laughs> yeah, gotta love it. Well, apparently these people were still allowed to get together for Thanksgiving, right, California? Oh dear. <laughs> they didn't okay. scare you too badly. <laughs> As transmission of spars was determined to occur via droplet spread, oh. <laughs> the CDC initially recommended that everyone diligently maintain hand hygiene and frequently disinfect potentially contaminated surfaces. CDC and officials hygiene. further urged anyone with severe flu-like symptoms to seek immediate medical attention. Public health officials were concerned that the upcoming Thanksgiving holiday and Black Friday shopping activities would facilitate the spread of spars, but they remained confident that the awareness and prevention messages disseminated annually for seasonal influenza, combined with isolation procedures for suspected cases, would be effective at countering the spread of spars. These messages were spread via a variety of traditional and social media sources, including Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, Twitter, and ZapQ. It was, those, it was those asymptomatic cases that were the real bitch. That was it. Oh. That was the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably that's chapter really, two, though. And it avoided the uh, test. So you, you have an asymptomatic disease that avoids the test. Mm -hmm. Make sure you sanitize your groceries before you take them in the house. <laughs> oh do you remember people doing that? Oh, that's Soaking retarded, them in bleach. Man, that they, they really did. It's I, sad, man. It I really watched is. it happen. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that, but why am I not surprised? This I'm not surprised about anything at this point. I, I keep saying this all the time. If this was a test of our society, we, in a general speak, speaking way, failed in a huge way. Miserably. Like, okay. absolutely. General society, up, oh, losers, put the dunce camp on, go sit in the corner and take your job because you fucked up. Oh, bad. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, mm. Crazy, crazy <laughs> stuff, man. I tell you, it was... It, it just boggles my mind that people are so caught up in the fear of this whole thing that they, they went to the extremes that they did, and they still do. I mean, I still see yeah. people walking around, two face masks and a plastic face shield on, wearing gloves and, uh, like, scratching their butt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then picking up the groceries, they, you know, and then they go to the, the, the self-checkout scanner and they touch the stupid, you know, pin pad that everybody else touched. But and it's then got plastic over it now. Yeah. But it's the same plastic fingers. over it that everybody touches. Yeah. <laughs> Good thing there's plexiglass. That's Every day I'm in a deepening sense of just shock, uh, <laughs> of just uh, sheer shock at what I see around me. I'm just like, no, this, is, this really isn't happening. No, but it is. But, but, and, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, here, here's something else, common sense, I want to point out that seems to be completely overlooked by many people. Uh, Florida, for the most part, has not been doing any of this bullshit for months and months and months. And guess how much of a problem they're having in the state of Florida? None. None. Yet, the dipshit governor of Louisiana, for instance, said yesterday how masking up is uh, proven science and, and blah, blah, blah. It's like, really? Well, then why are the numbers actually better in Florida than they are in Louisiana. Oh, I don't know. Maybe because you're making shit up? Well, we, say, we keep saying words have meaning, so uh, <laughs> fluoride, duh, man. <laughs> yeah, and there's also something more to this whole mask thing. As you yeah, think, Wayne. You, you got, you got <laughs> a video. 
Wayne knows. You got Wayne me. knows. Yeah, I, I might actually go ahead and post that video on my YouTube channel just because I did find it so shocking. But uh, is that something yeah. you want to talk about publicly? Because if so, let's do it. If not, we will move on. Yeah. And, uh, probably should at this point all right uh, go ahead all right many of you people out there have seen these videos going around youtube and various other internet sites and stuff like that of people looking at these masks and uh finding these weird fibers and stuff in the masks well the moving fibers yeah yes i thought it was nonsense and i have access because uh of where i i work in my daytime job which i'm not going to mention where that is exactly uh but um i have access to boxes and boxes and boxes of these masks used very uh, much through many of the different industries in the country and i tested these uh masks and lo and behold, there's actually stuff in these masks that I cannot explain moving around in there. And I, I, I got video of that, and I spread it around to a couple different people that I know and trust. Jason's one of them. He, he has the video. Uh, so I, I think maybe it's, you know, I'll just post that video on my YouTube channel so people can see. Uh, I was quite that. shocked because I, I thought it was nonsense like i thought well you know maybe it's maybe they're just seeing the, the the weave of the fibers or something like that it's possible there could be something there that's just explainable and i put it through the test and uh i found i tested out of the three or sorry out of the four masks that i test all brand new out of just fresh right out of the box okay two separate boxes two masks from each box three out of the four masks had these fibers in them and I actually mm-hmm. caught on video the some of these fibers moving in inexplicable ways. And uh, how I did this is basically I just took a cup of hot water, like uh, probably about 180-degree water, I would say. And I draped the mask over the top of that. And then I just filmed with my cell phone, which I have. Uh, the phone I have is a Samsung S20 Ultra, so it's got that that zoom lens feature on it. And I zoomed in about 7.5 times magnification. And you can't see these things with your naked eye, but when you zoom in, sure enough, they're there. And I was totally creeped out and upset that, uh, you know, there was actually something to this. So, uh, like I said, I'll probably go ahead and post that on my YouTube channel just for anybody who's interested in checking it out. It's only a little over a minute, the video. Uh, But, yeah, I, I find it deeply disturbing that these things are actually in these masks. So... I I urge people, go ahead and check yourself. Uh, Look into it yourself, because we need more data on this. Because I have no idea what this is, what it could be. Um, I have my suspicions, but I have no no proof of anything, so uh, I can't really say for sure. We need more data. So if people want to test these things yourself and spread the results to people you know, go for it. That's all I can do is just urge people, go ahead and look for yourself. I didn't believe it. I checked and sure enough. I am very interested in doing testing of my own. So if anybody can get me into a lab somewhere where I can actually put this through a couple of, well, I, I have cameras and things like that, but I need a decent microscope and things like that. And I've contemplated buying one, but a good one is a couple hundred dollars minimum. So uh, it'd be easier if I could just get in somewhere. So if anybody has the means uh, and it's not too, too far from me, I'm more than happy to go and we'll do some testing and we'll film it all and all that good stuff. But uh, this needs to be looked at because I have a theory and I'm very open to this being uh, under different interpretations. 
But my theory goes like this, and you gentlemen are welcome to poke as many holes in it as you like. So the people in charge, call them what you will, knew that there was kind of a crappy version of the flu coming up. They're like, oh, we can use this to our advantage. So, and now this could also have been uh, instigated with the massive amount of flu shots that have been being pushed for years. Also a theoretical possibility. But either way, they knew that things were going to be bad in the upcoming influenza season, which would be later 2019, early 2020. They started manufacturing numbers of quote-unquote cases and then deaths until they got to the point where they're like, everybody needs to mask up, which wasn't too much later. Now, all of a sudden, everyone's paranoid. They've been pushing the propaganda. The social engineering is in mass overdrive. And what's actually doing things that I've had medical professionals say that there is some kind of respiratory illness. So I have always stood on this ground, uh, taking these people at their word. And of course, take it all with a grain of salt. I could be being lied to from multiple sources. But... They all said the same thing independently, that there is respiratory illness, but there is no pandemic and there is no cause whatsoever for the way things have been treated. Okay, cool. But something is going on. They said sometimes it affects the lungs in a really, really bad way, sometimes almost like a liquefying of the lungs. So here's where my theory gets a little more insidious. All this mask wearing with whatever these things are, flatworms, hookworms, nanoparticles of some sort, is triggered by wearing the mask the heat of your breath and the moisture from your mouth is activating them and you're breathing them in. And that is what's causing the actual real problems in the real world scenarios. And the reason why truthers, because we know this for a fact, uh, Karen B, for instance, can can attest to this because we've been at events together that she has put on. And so has the great Baldini. And no one has had any problems whatsoever because none of us are stupid enough to walk around with a diaper on our face. So there's my theory. And uh, of course, now that they're rolling out the vaccine for the past few months, that is also going to cause problems because in my opinion, we have gone from a passive eugenics program to an active eugenics program. Anyway, what do you think, guys? Uh, I think it's definitely a plausible scenario. And I think there may actually be more to it than that as well. That's only... uh, one part of the whole overall operation here and uh i agree there's definitely something going around that's making people sick maybe they had some inkling from the beginning uh we have this uh this new kind of uh illness is going to be going around so let's take advantage of that situation and uh you know use it as cover for something else going on uh so that that's definitely a plausible scenario in my view and uh, it, it gets a little more insidious because some of the symptoms uh, described when you combine the synergistic network of how these things would operate. Now, say you're correct in your assumption that these things, whatever they may be, uh, are activated by the heat of your body or your breath or whatever. Uh, but say they're also activated by microwave frequency. Say, oh, I forgot uh, that part. You're right. right. Yes, I, I forgot that aspect of it. wave bandwidth, uh, something, say, around 60 gigahertz or 60 hertz. Um <laughs> bandwidth and you know this has the same kind of effects on the lungs as what had been appearing so you know maybe these things are actually attuned to that frequency and uh, you know within your body they act as a sort of antenna and you could actually look up uh, 
papers on PubMed and various other places that talk about uh, how these nanoparticulates could be used as a tuning antenna for these uh, microwave uh, radiation uh, type scenarios or these these radio waves. Uh, it, it's out there. It's in the, the literature, the mainstream science literature. You know, that stuff that people try to throw in your face to discredit things you're saying. Well, it's all right there. It's all very real and plausible. And it's backed up by peer-reviewed journals, the much-accredited uh, peer-reviewed journals that they like to throw in your face all the time. All this stuff's out there, and it exists. So is there something else going on with it? I think it's very plausible uh, that they've used this whole thing as a cover for what their real agenda and plans are. Uh, so th the thing is, uh, at this point, don't have any evidence as to what these things could be. All I know for fact is I've seen with my own eyes, uh, there's something to uh, these, what you would call worm looking things in the masks. Uh, what they are, I'm not sure. We need more data. So I would encourage everybody, do what you can uh, to collect your own data on this. And if we could get access to some kind of a laboratory type setting where we could do uh, more intricate testing than just filming this thing, and trying to figure out what it is or being able to like analyze it in some way, uh, that would be extremely helpful. So if anybody has the means uh, to do something like that, that, that would be great. But, uh, you know, at this rate, it's hard to say exactly what it is. But, uh, you know, it, it definitely, uh, something about it stinks. Let's put it that way. Something's burning in the kitchen with the whole situation. Yep. Baldini? Am I experiencing Dunning-Kruger, or do you think I might be onto something here? And Wayne. Uh, I think Baldini messaged us in the chat that he oh, had did to he? bail. Oh, did he have to bail, yeah. too? Oh, okay. Yeah, he had to run off. He apologized and said he had oh, to yep. run I, off. I see it right there, yep. So, All yep, right, you so, and me, buddy. Let's finish this we out. We got this. Let me pull uh, that back up. All right. So anyway... Uh, Whatever you guys think, I'm, I'm open to interpretation. And again, if anybody can get get us into one of us into a, a lab, we both have enough common scientific knowledge that we could we could put this through its paces. But all right, so now Wayne, have you gone through this document by the way? Uh, yeah, I went through it a while back. I was actually looking at it like early on, and you know, at the I think I brought it up to you like several months ago about maybe. Doing yeah, it I on definitely the show, remember but, it. But at that point, we were all just so sick of everything you know related to this whole thing that we yeah. were like you know it's it's like beating a dead horse but now if we look at it with a new set of eyes and looking at it as potentially the next thing that they're pushing uh i think there's uh you know a possibility that could be uh you know what's going on with it so we need to uh just go ahead and, and look through it and cover it just so people have an understanding of what you might be able to expect should they decide to pull this pandemic card again sometime in the near future, right. which I, I could see being a thing. Yep, I totally could. All right, let's continue on here. Concern among many Americans about the severity of SPARS at this point in the outbreak was moderately high. The public's concern was compounded by the apparent virulence of the pathogen. At the outset of the sparse outbreak, physicians' understanding of the disease stemmed primarily from extremely severe cases, resulting in pneumonia or hypoxia <laughs> that required hospitalization and extensive medical treatment. Really? 
Mild cases of the disease, which produced symptoms including cough, fever, headaches, and malaise, were often perceived as the flu by the people who had them, and consequently often went untreated and undiagnosed by medical personnel. As a result, early case fatality estimates were inflated. No kidding. Okay. By late November, the CDC reported an initial estimated sparse case fatality rate of 4.7%. By contrast, WHO reported that the overall case fatality rate for SARS was 14 to 15% and over 50% for people over the age of 64. Later in the SPARS outbreak, data that included more accurate estimates of mild SPARS cases indicated a case fatality rate of only 0.6%. And even those numbers are all way over what the reality of our bullshit situation is. Right. And and that's the thing. I find it interesting. <sighs> uh, if you look at these numbers that they're saying here, isn't that kind of what they were touting at the beginning? And you see how it all kind of... Uh, pans out here, but they are also making the connection here that it's it's actually more fatal for people over the age of sixty four, and uh, that that's the thing. I mean that uh, that goes along with this whole idea and the situation we're in now. That that's what the case is with uh, this thing that they have going on right now. They're saying if you're over the age of sixty five, you're at the highest risk for this. So it's the same thing. You know. Yep. Uh, so I find it interesting that they wrote about this three years prior, um, in a, a planning scenario that they had here for such a thing—a a tabletop exercise. It's astounding how they they have these things, and they're they're so accurate with uh, you know how it actually falls in place. What a coincidence! Huh? Yeah, just quinky dink. Yep. <laughs> Two additional features of the SPARS virus that were not... That's the first time they used the word virus, by the way. That were not... Isn't it? That were... I think so. ...not appreciated at the beginning of the pandemic. Oh, God. But that impacted how the outbreak played out are also important to consider in a review of this event. First, the virus had an extended incubation period, 7 to 10 days, compared to its latent period, 4 to 5 days. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Oh, indeed it does. (laughs) (laughs) Thus, infected personages could spread the virus for up to nearly a week before showing symptoms of the disease themselves. As a result... Okay, got to pause there, Jason. Go ahead. That's an important point right here. It says, thus, infected persons could spread the virus for up to nearly a week before showing symptoms of the disease themselves. That's stating right there, you have asymptomatic spreaders Mm -hmm. of this. So there it is in plain English. Before your eyes, three years before it happens, okay? Uh, this has been planned for a very long time. Uh, that's my whole point with that. Uh, they can't deny it. This is right on Johns Hopkins' website, okay? This is the same people that did the Event 201 thing uh, just prior to this thing taking off. Hmm. So when, when you, you think about that, uh, these are the ones that have been quarterbacking everything. If you go to Johns Hopkins, uh, what is it? This I forget. It's what the name of the organization uh, under Johns Hopkins that's quarterbacking this whole thing is. But you, you could find it. You just have to uh, go right to their website, and it has all these different scenarios, a lot of them very much like this. It, like This is not the only one. You have this SPARS one. You have the Event 201. Those two alone are very telling because it's it's pretty much lays out – the game plan for this whole thing the whole way through. So um, you could see there uh, with this SPARS one, they had it listed as 2025 to 2028. 
And that may show us that there's another time frame they have in mind for rolling out another one of these type scenarios. It may, may not be exactly this one, because this one here that they laid out as spars, that might actually be the one they're talking about now. Okay, um, so this would be a precursor event for something else. So I would suggest we need to maybe look and see what kind of uh, medical exercises and, and, you know, pandemic planning they're doing on something else uh, a couple of years uh, after this 2025 to 2028 one to maybe see what they actually have in mind for the next one. But all the hallmarks are there. And this is basically laying the groundwork for the next scenario to come. And uh, make no doubt about it, they're, they're going to try and do this again, okay? Uh, they've been extremely successful with their rollout for this one. Uh, they've, they've convinced people to stay home. Uh, they've, they've actually paid people extra money to stay home and not go to work. Uh, I mean, this is, like, unheard of. It's ridiculous. And, you know, they're just printing money out of thin air. And the way that it's affected the world economy and, and you know, the logistics of everything has been outrageous for something uh, that the numbers really don't justify. Like, they actually had to change the definition of what qualifies as a pandemic to pull this off. And that's exactly what they did. So uh, you could see all these different things combined together. But that sentence right there just really seals the deal for me. Thus, infected persons could spread the virus for up to nearly a week before showing symptoms of the disease themselves. So with that, that is their justification for locking up healthy people. Okay. And it's spelled out right here in this 2017 paper. So I, I don't know what more you need to say. Oh, no, we definitely and, made sorry the point here. Sorry to interrupt. Here. We should get back to it. Yeah. Well, no, you're, you're making the exact point. that This is exactly why we're doing this. We're saying, hey, guys, here's yet another piece of evidence that this whole thing was plotted ahead of time. And it was a scenario, not saying that there wasn't an illness. I've said this a billion times, and I'll say it again. Not that there wasn't an illness, but that they radically exaggerated till they could cause enough issues to back up what they were saying was actually happening until it actually did start happening in enough cases that you would have medical professionals saying, yeah, there's something going on. But what about this whole jab thing? Now we're talking about something else. Ooh, I, I don't even know what exactly that's all about, but I, I, I would bet good money. I'd pull out my last wooden nickel and put it down on the table and say, this is eugenics in action. What about you? I'm with you all day long. It's it's definitely. And I hope I'm wrong. Let me let me get that in there. I hope oh, yeah, I'm wrong. <laughs> I'll, I'll be happy to be the crazy conspiracy guy. Okay, if if we're wrong about this, but uh, I don't think we are. You know what I'm saying? I I really honestly and sincerely hope I'm totally wrong about this. But uh, just from the uh, the information I've looked at regarding these things. Uh, Every single mammal that they tested in, in many of these animal trials that they did that they won't tell you about uh, before they started rolling this uh, new uh, gene therapy, as it was called then, and they call it a vaccine now. But every single mammal that they used it on and tested it with it died within 18 months. So it's yeah, and, and it was they died of the same thing, what they would call cytokine storms. And uh, their their immune system just hyperactivated and killed them. So it's it's you know, when they were actually exposed to the wild version of this protein. So that that's exactly you know what I think we will see coming down the pike. Uh, probably 
within the next year and a half. And then they'll blame it on a new strain or whatever. And then they'll, you know, <laughs> they already oh, you got one. To, you have to get this vaccine now and this and that. It's it's like it's crazy. And I, I've talked to people ad nauseum about this, tried telling them this technology, it doesn't even medically qualify as a vaccine by definition. That is correct. Uh, so it, it's it it just drives me nuts. People will still line up. I trust the science. Well, what science, dummy? You're the guinea pig. Yeah. You know? The science is being <laughs> done on you right now. Congratulations. That's right. That's the thing. So you're lining up uh, to be the test subject here. It, it hasn't even been approved by like FDA or anything. And people really honestly, sincerely think it has. It's been used for emergency authorization. It's been granted for that. But uh, there's no liability. And that, that in and of itself should be telling for people. They have no liability. They're testing out this uh, experimental medical procedure on people, and they have no liability if something goes wrong. Gee, that sounds like a good idea. Sign me up, right? <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> oh, and by the way, you need to have this done if you want to go to school here, or if you want to go to if you want to work here. Think about that too. Like actual universities are mandating that you have to have this shot now if you want to attend. Uh, and you pay them thousands upon thousands of dollars to go there. Sorry, that doesn't sound like a great deal to me. You can keep it, you yeah, know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And uh, just, just so everyone knows, if they're not aware, I've been getting, and I'm sure other people who are conscious <laughs> to things, uh, the people who have been getting a lot of these jabs, the the amount of problems are not being reported. I can tell you that from firsthand information being given to me from uh, people who, well, one person who works at a major university, for instance, uh, has given me information several times and also sometimes shares internal documents with me, let's say, so that at least I can see things uh, with my own eyes. But anyway, yeah, the, the whole thing is not going well. It's not good. And uh, no, it's not <sighs> good. And that, that data is severely underreported. And that's been known for a long time. Harvard actually did a study where they determined that as little as 1% of all vaccine adverse reactions are even reported to the VAERS system. Yeah. And uh, that's probably a highball number, 1%. Think about that. So that, that's ridiculously absurd. And, uh, you know, the thing is, and I've experienced this personally, okay? And I'll tell the story right now. My son had a reaction to a vaccine, took him to the doctor. And uh, the doctor at the time was one of my best friends. Uh, he, he moved away a couple of years ago now and lives, you know, like 3,000 miles away from me now. So, uh, but... Anyway, he's a personal friend of mine I've known forever and ever, uh, and he's one of the best doctors out there even still. Uh, I'll highly recommend him to people. But uh, my son had this, this vaccine. Um, we went to him because of it uh, to find out what was going on because, like, the one side of his face, the left side of his face, like his, his eye was not working properly. Like, it was, you know... And we thought maybe he had some kind of uh, neurological damage or something like that. Well, it turns out it's a condition called sixth nerve palsy, okay? And he had this as a reaction to a vaccine he got, okay? So we took him to the doctor, and he's doing the, the normal examination stuff, and we tell him what's going on and everything. First question out of his mouth, has he had any shots recently? So I tell him, Boom. yes, he had such and such, a, such and such a shot like X amount of weeks ago. The very next words out of his mouth, oh, it couldn't be that. 
I'm serious. And this guy is, was one of my best friends for like the longest time. I've known him forever. Trusted him implicitly, but that's the extent of the programming that they put into these doctors. Oh, it couldn't be that. They automatically dismiss any possibility of it being related to a vaccine in any way, shape, or form. So, and, and that's the thing. I've experienced it personally. Uh, we wound up having to take my son to a specialist who conceded that, yes, this was most likely caused by the vaccine. Uh, and it, it did, re- you know, go ahead and resolve itself eventually. But... Uh, that was the last vaccine my son ever got. So, uh, and up until that point, my wife wasn't 100% on board with the vaccine thing until she saw that happen, too. And then she's like, okay, that's enough. So, you know, uh, we we didn't do any more, like, after that. So, but that's the thing that drives me insane. And these things are underreported. And that's exactly why, because you go to the doctors and they tell you, no, it couldn't be that. And usually you'll, it'll be one of the first questions they ask. Did they have any shots recently? Well, yes, they had this one, like, say, four weeks ago or something. Oh, it couldn't be that. And that's what they'll tell you. Uh, it wouldn't, couldn't be that. Doesn't, it's not related to that. That doesn't happen. Okay, but it does happen. I'm here to tell you it does happen. And mm. I've seen it happen numerous times. And uh, it just drives me nuts. But that's why these VAERS numbers are underreported, because the doctor dismisses out of hand and they're supposed to report that if there's an adverse event and they don't i I don't know of any doctors that do so i mean that that's the whole problem it doesn't get reported now it's a different situation with this uh, experimental vaccine Uh, a lot of them are reporting but even though a lot of them are reporting it's still underreported and especially if you uh, look at the window of time that they look at for the reporting uh, vaccines could affect your system for a long time. Uh, I, I mean, eight to 12 weeks later, you could still have adverse events from it. And yeah. people don't realize that. Even doctors don't know that. And that's what kills me. I know more about vaccines than your average doctor. Okay. And I'm not a doctor, but they don't know. And it, it's sad. So, I mean, you really have to be proactive with your health with this stuff. You really have to look into this stuff yourself because they're not taught about that. The only thing they're taught is what the uh, the talking points are, the selling points are for these vaccines uh, from the drug reps and stuff. And, you know, the little bit they learned about them in their textbook in school, that this is the bargain basement technology of the 20th century. <laughs> it's, it's a, you know, a great thing. It saved countless millions of lives. Tell me how you could uh, determine how many lives that something has saved. <laughs> you can't. It's a number just made up out of thin air. But that's the way that they tout these things. It's a miracle bargain basement technology of the 20th century. It saved countless lives. Polio, polio. They always tout polio. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the Which messed up people one. in a big way. Right. And there's a lot more to the polio thing. But I don't want to go on a tirade about that. Uh, <laughs> we should probably get back to this here. But I, I, just, I just had to get that out. Because people are really undereducated about vaccines and how they operate and the things that they can do to a body. Yeah, I'm with you, brother. All right, let's see. Where do we love off? All right, here we are. As a result, isolating sick SPARS patients proved to be less effective than isolating patients infected by other better characterized respiratory diseases. So they're already pointing out that this is a respiratory disease. Second, morbidity and mortality from SPARS were both significantly higher in children than adults. Okay, that one didn't happen in, in our bullshit scenario. 
Pregnant women and those with chronic respiratory conditions like asthma and emphysema were also at a higher risk for both disease complications and death. All right, and then we get down to what is this little info bubble they got here? Communication dilemma, engendering public trust and a sense of self-efficacy when a crisis is still evolving and health information is incomplete. Food for thought. Number one, how can health authorities best meet public demands for critical information such as what is the health threat? And well, there isn't one. And what do I know about it when the crisis is still unfolding and not all the facts are known? Number two, what benefits um, get down there, move it. There we go. What benefits does monitoring trends in social media postings confer on efforts to meet people's information needs during an evolving health crisis? And number three, what medical and morale-boosting purposes does sharing information about self-protective actions, for example, infection control measures, serve for the public during an uncertain and fear-instilling situation? Uh, they didn't mention masks at all, Wayne. I'm kind of surprised about that. Oh, I'm sure we'll get there. <laughs> I don't think that's till the next section here, maybe. You know, uh, what's the, the next section here is chapter two, a possible cure. Let's see what they have to say here. I bet you it's a vaccine, Jason. You think? <laughs> well, most likely. Distributed via the CDC Health, Net, Health Alert Network, December 15th, 2025. Summary, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and state health departments are investigating the emergence of the St. Paul Acute Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus, blah, 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 now reported in 26 states and several other countries. The purpose of this HAN advisory is to update public health departments and healthcare facilities about this epidemic and to provide guidance to healthcare providers. At this time, the FDA and NIH are evaluating potential treatment options. Well, I know what the NIH will do. That's in England. They'll just lock everything down and say, screw you, die. <laughs> Evidence indicates that antiviral pharmaceuticals may provide benefit. Based on previous trials and other coronavirus patients, <laughs> the antiviral Calosevere, Calosevere, I'm not sure how you pronounce that, is the leading yep. candidate. However, neither the efficacy nor safety profile has been determined for sparse cases. Is that a real thing, by the way, Wayne? Uh, I'm not familiar. I don't think that that's a real antiviral, but there are similar things like ivermectin and different things like that that right. I, I'm sure kind of fall into that same category. Uh, but I'm sure if we read on, I'm sure vaccines will get mentioned here at some point. Mm-hmm. Further guidance regarding personal protective equipment and clinical care protocols are delineated below. Okay, let's uh -huh. go to below. See, there it is. Personal protective equipment. Mm -hmm. PPE. Yep. I better never hear that friggin' word again. I know, right? <laughs> now, you work for a major corporation. I think it's safe to say that without giving anything away. How much nonsense did they hit you guys with when and, and how early on about what they wanted you and, and any other employee to do? Dude, it's ridiculous. It's beyond ridiculous. It really is. It, it's a lot. I mean, they invested so much money in this stupid PPE, the personal protective equipment stuff, and uh, all the all the stupid protocols and everything put in place, and and basically shot themselves in the foot uh, just to follow these stupid guidelines in order to stay open during this whole thing. And that's the other thing. I've been working through this entire. Uh, alleged pandemic and uh, you know it, it's it's ridiculous to yeah. the, the way that people have just really bought into this whole thing but uh, yeah it, it's 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 just over the top it's to the point where it, it makes makes it just 
absolutely dreadful to go to work. It really does. I mean, even more so than, than what it is. It, it's dreadful enough to have to work in corporate America to begin with, which is one of the reasons I want to try and get out of that. Right. Uh, but it, it's another thing entirely to have to play make-believe all day with this stuff. It's retarded, okay? It's it's literally retarded, and I, I just can't stand it, and I can't say enough bad things about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's neither here nor there. Okay, so let's see where we're at here. Early in the Spars pandemic, public health and medical professionals were hopeful that the outbreak could be contained through case identification and isolation. It quickly became clear, however, that this strategy was not as effective as initially hoped. First, challenges in identifying mild cases limited the impact of isolation programs. Because the initial symptoms of Spars closely resembled influenza, many who contracted Spars did not immediately seek care, assuming they merely had the flu. Fortunately, some who thought they had the flu chose to isolate themselves at home, thereby preventing the spread of spars outside their households. By the way, let's let's take a moment to talk about something kind of funny here. A few years back, not very far back, I think most people would be able to back up this statement. How many people worked at a job where if you weren't feeling very well, they'd tell you to stop being a pussy and get your ass into work, Right. Now, oh, if, yes, if you absolutely. seriously did have something wrong like a flu, you indeed might be spreading something. It's, it's definitely hypothetically possible, right? Now we're in the exact opposite thing. That Those days are over, at least for the moment. Now it's like if, if you uh, breathe a little too heavy, they're like, oh, my God! Am I wrong? <laughs> we're all going to die. You just sneezed. Nope. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I'm telling you. It, it is. It's it's totally retarded. I don't know how many times through the years I've gone to work even with like something like the flu, or you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Not feeling well at all. You go to work anyway. You suck it up and go to work. Yeah. Because it's not worth. Put the your big white pants on. You do it sometimes. Yeah. It's not worth the hassle of uh, calling off because you're just going to get retribution for it later. And now it's like it's it's just ridiculous. And now uh, the problem is it's. Just one more excuse, people, if they don't want to go to work that day, they'll call, oh, I'm not feeling well. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm running a low-grade fever. Okay, well, stay home. Because now, now you have to tell them stay home. Don't come in with that because of this whole thing. So it's like they could just make it up. They don't have to have any proof or anything. They could just call and say, I'm sick. And, and then you, there's no, you know, reprimand or anything for that. Uh, so it's it's that kind of a situation. So it makes it challenging for people in uh, you know management type positions. So uh, it, it definitely puts the burden on the ones that do consistently show up and try to do their best at work. So you know, there's something else you were telling me about that uh, I think probably <laughs> is is true in a lot of places. Uh, and now, thank God, I haven't worked in corporate America in, in, a, in a while. But uh, you're telling me about staffing issues oh yes it's ridiculous it's what? it's across the board everywhere too it's like there, there's you know nobody wants to work and why should they because they they could collect uh you know uh unemployment and then get extra money on top of that and they make out better not working so and then you you factor in the fact that uh, the government's handing them these uh, these payouts every couple of months here, these bailouts, or whatever you want to call them. Here, here's your uh, uh, your relief or whatever. whatever. What are they calling that now? The, Just the money for the pandemic. This, the, you know, here's, 
here's your couple thousand dollars or whatever your fourteen. Oh, the stimulus. Bucks. The stimulus. The yes. stimulus. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't think of the word for some reason. I don't know. Maybe my brain's overtaxed. But here's <laughs> stimulus money. So they give people stimulus money every couple months. Plus they let them collect unemployment plus extra money on top of that, and de-incentivize them from going back to work. And, uh, you know, here up until this point, I always kind of wondered how exactly are they going to roll out the idea of replacing everybody with machines in different work environments. And now I know because there's not going to be a choice because people aren't going to work anymore. And they're going to transition this into a uh, um, um, yeah, I can't think of the words. I'm losing my words here tonight. Jason. <laughs> they're going to transition this into a basic universal income for everybody. So. Yes, that, that, that's, that's what's going to happen. Sure. And that's that's, that's going to de-incentivize people from working all the more. So rather than have, like, say, 10 employees on, now you'll have one guy that just takes care of the machines, you know? And I always wondered how they were going to do this in a service economy, and now I know. So Well, let's project here, because uh, I think we made our point about this document. We can go through and see if there's anything we want to get to. But do you want to paint a very grim picture for a moment, hypothetically, of something that might actually be possible? And that would be, what if we're right about this shot being a eugenics program? I just read a number a day or two ago that 200 million Americans have gotten at least their first dose, meaning 200 million Americans have now have DNA damage, I think. Am I wrong in that? Uh, well, if you ask them about it, they'll say it doesn't alter your DNA, but, well, not directly anyway, but <laughs> that, that's, that's kind of a, a misnomer. Now that that's only these uh, these two these uh, um, the two shots, the Moderna and the the Pfizer one. Okay, those two are the the new technology ones. They're not based on uh, you know your classic vaccine type theory. Okay, uh, the other the other ones that are out there right now. We have the Johnson and Johnson one, which they've been having all kinds of problems with, yep. which is based on an adenovirus uh, protein that they use in that one. Uh, that one, they've been having blood clotting issues and stuff like that with, mm-hmm. and, and that's a major thing, and that's causing them all kinds of headaches with that. And then there's that AstraZeneca one, which is really not much better than the Johnson & Johnson one. So basically, what they've done by taking these types of uh, you know options out of, the, out of the picture for people is forcing them to go with these uh, gene therapy ones, these Moderna and Pfizer. Okay, So in doing that, they're directing people into getting this uh, this experimental RNA altering uh, type of uh, a vaccine therapy, uh, it's the messenger RNA and how this actually works. And I think we've discussed this before on a previous live stream. Is uh, they have this RNA? It's encapsulated in a phospholipid type of a, a delivery system, a coating. And this phospholipid coating, uh, what it does is it tricks your body's immune system. Okay. Uh, it doesn't detect it, and it doesn't see it as being a threat, so it doesn't see it as foreign material. So this phospholipid coating, what it does is it will actually get to your cells and get inside the cytoplasm of the cells. So then what happens when this phospholipid-coated uh, you know, RNA protein gets in the cell, it begins to break down and release the RNA into the cell. And then uh, I think it's your endoplastic reticulum is the name of the, the organelle in the cell, that actually will read that RNA strand and reproduce it. So basically what this does 
is this takes over as the nucleus for the cell. So it hijacks your cell's functions and actually operates as the cell's nucleus. And they'll tell you that uh, it doesn't change your DNA because this RNA, this messenger RNA, never gets inside the nucleus. Because normally the nucleus of the cell releases RNA into the cytoplasm of the cell for these organelles to read and reproduce that RNA. But what this does is this actually gets inside your cell and takes over the job of the nucleus. And then your body prints this foreign RNA and your cells begin to produce this foreign RNA on their surface. Then your immune system recognizes this RNA as being this protein on the surface of the cell as being a foreign protein and attacks your own cells. Okay, so what eventually happens is when you're introduced to this protein uh, in the wild, or you know how they call it in the wild, when you encounter it out in the real world later, your body recognizes it and begins to attack it. Well, here's the problem, though. You encounter this, it gets in your body, and your body begins replicating it again. Your cells begin replicating it again because it's already been programmed with the messenger RNA. Your cells have produced it before. So your cells begin to produce it, and then your immune system goes into overdrive, and you have what would be considered autoimmune reaction. Okay, so your body starts attacking itself, and this could create a situation which is called a cytokine storm. And this is called um, pathogenic priming, and it's been demonstrated uh, when they've done the experiments on the animal models with the early uh, first SARS vaccine that they tried to develop early on from the, the outbreak in 2008. So they did these trials, and these were the ones I was talking about where all the mammals they tested died within 18 months. So this is kind of what what they've been giving people. Yep. So I could definitely see this as being a eugenics program. And then you look at outside material, like uh, go to Deagle.com and look up uh, what their prediction <laughs> oh, is yeah. for the population I of looked the U.S. That in 2025. D say that so, again, Wayne, because I, I about a month ago. Com. Yeah, just so you know, guys, go there. I, I, don't don't take our word for it. I went through that through a lot of that website about a month ago just to see what, what things were at. And uh, the, the gentleman who's that, that's named after Mr. Deagle just passed away, so I was curious. But uh, go ahead, Wayne, explain what that is, because that's, that's some important stuff right there, Bubba. Oh, yeah. Uh, that Deagle.com makes predictions based uh, for uh, military industrial contractors for, for governments and stuff like that. I mean, this is a serious logistics organization that looks at different logistical numbers for future scenarios and for planning. And they're predicting, uh, I believe, the U.S. population to be 65 million in 2025. And what's the population here now? 330-some million. So if you figure a high amount of people get these shots, you know, and you're talking, think about an 18-month time frame for people to start dropping from it, that, that really would bring the population down by 2025, wouldn't it? Yeah, and this is what I was getting at with with grim understandings. Uh, I, I'm strongly suspicious that uh, they might be trying to make those Georgia Guidestones come true at this point. They don't have to worry about a universal basic income when there's a whole lot less people that need to receive a universal basic income. Let me tell you something else that I know for an absolute fact. What Clint Richardson uncovered with the CAFR the comprehensive annual financial reports. There is no shortage of money. All this nonsense about stupid amounts of debt, they've got more money in value and things 
through all these different corporations because again everything is a corporation everything has investments i guess you could say i mean you're familiar with this wayne right like you do know what i'm talking about yeah, I know what the CAFR is, but uh, you know more about that than I do. I haven't looked at that side of things. Well, and, and I don't want to go off on a tangent on this. I just want to point out the fact that nobody's fucking broken in the, in the government. Like all, Why do you think you see your towns and things like that say they're incorporated? They all do in massive investments. And same thing with us, our labor. Like all these things, Like this is all the common law stuff that we talk about all the time. We, we are money to them. Uh, granted some of it's fiat, but when you invest this over and over and over again, the, the, what it comes down to is there's no shortage of cash. So you wipe out significant chunks of the population and then you want to put the people who aren't so stupid, I mean, let's just call it as it is, the people who are, really were wise enough to say, hey, uh, something's not right here. Okay, those people will give a universal basic income too. I, I, maybe that's the idea. I don't know. I, I can't prove that, but it's just a, a hypothetical I'm throwing out there. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. And like I said, I, I hope I'm. I sincerely hope I'm wrong about all of this, and I'll be happy uh, come 2025 for everybody to call me that crazy conspiracy nut that believed <laughs> all this nonsense. I'll be happy if that's the case. Okay, I don't care. I'll, I could be the butt of jokes. It doesn't bother me. Uh, but I honestly, sincerely think people need to know and consider this information because, uh, you know, if, if knowing it and if it is something that's being planned, if we know about it, we could do something to stop it, okay? And at the same notion, if, if we hear about it and do nothing about it and then see it come to fruition later, well, we'll know somebody was out there trying to be the, the voice crying out in the wilderness about it. And, uh, you know, maybe we should go back and take a look at more of what they were saying. So, like, that's the thing. I mean, people need to really look into things. And, like, the, the biggest problem I see with the world today is complacency. Okay? Everybody's lazy, doesn't want to do their own research or, or work at things. Or really look, take a considerate look at different aspects of information. They would rather just be told what to do. And this is a psychology that uh, these people in power use all the time. They'll just tell you what to do. They'll tell you what to believe, what to think. Oh, here's what experts say. And they'll, they'll use all these kind of different uh, types of things to convince people to do what they want and what really uh, puts forward the agendas that they're pushing. It doesn't have anything to do with what your best interests are. They couldn't care less, okay? Let's, let's just put that on the table. Government doesn't give a crap about you at no. all. <laughs> no. um, neither do these major corporations. They'll, they'll just use you as a human resource for whatever they need as long as it uh, fulfills whatever their agendas and plans are. Okay, You're a human resource. They will use you and abuse you whatever way they see fit that benefits them. Uh, so you could be a useful idiot and serve them well, and they still don't care at the end of the day. Okay, You're expendable. You're just a number. You're part of the herd. See? And that's the other thing they're pushing, this whole herd immunity situation with this whole thing. And herd immunity is mythology, folks. It's a myth. No <laughs> such thing has ever scientifically <laughs> been proven to exist at all in the wild or through vaccination. Herd immunity. There's no such thing. It's, it's something made up just to promote an agenda. Okay? And they could you know, contrive some data to try to make it look like it's a plausible thing, uh, but it really has never, ever been proven to exist either in nature 
or in a scientific setting with vaccines. And they just keep pushing this whole idea over and over. And epidemiologists will tell you, yeah, we have to achieve herd immunity, blah, blah, blah. And the number of the percent or whatever they say always changes based upon just, I don't know, whatever they feel like that day in order to achieve this herd immunity. So when you look at these different things, it's it's just not plausible to think that they really consider or care about anything about your health. It's never been about health. <laughs> that's that's the whole thing people need to understand. There's different agendas that go on with this. All right, so let's see. We're getting low on time here. Let's let's jump down this document. Chapter 2 says communication dilemma responding to public and political pressure to share information about potential MCMs in the development pipeline even though information may be incomplete or proprietary. Food for thought. What risks do public health agencies face if the public media and or political leaders feel that information about potential treat- treatment options is being withheld? Two, what, kind of out- what kinds of outreach could public health agencies perform in advance of a crisis to mitigate any perceived lack of transparency? If such a perception emerges in the crisis, then how might it be diffused? And we'll look next at chapter three, right here down the next page. A A potential potential vaccine. Oh, I thought we were going to do it together. Yeah. (laughs) A potential vaccine. There you go. All right. Well, let's take a look through this, shall we? All right. So there's this fake memorandum. Uh, Problem background. Your office requested information regarding any previous spars-like illness in GMI animal populations. I don't know what that means. And potential immunization or treatment implications for the ongoing spars pandemic. Summary. In 2021, a coronavirus caused an outbreak in Region 7, which is Southeast Asia, hoofed mammal populations. Our researchers developed and produced in-house an effective vaccine against the infection. Its subsequent approval and use successfully ended the outbreak in the region. While largely effective in preventing infection, severe side effects, including swollen legs, severe joint pain, and encephalitis potentially resulting in seizures, seizure disorders, or death, occasionally occurred. Given the millions of vaccinations required for Region 7, this resulted in measurable losses to the animal population. However, these were acceptable compared to those from the respiratory infection itself. Uh-huh. Each of the severe side effects was accompanied by physical presentation such that the affected animal was removed from the population and culled to prevent processing affected animals for sale. It is unknown at this time how similar the two coronaviruses are or whether that the vaccine would be effective in human populations. Due to its development for internal use only, the vaccine has not been tested or authorized by any governing agency for use in animals or humans. All right, what you got on that one? Anything you want to tear apart? Boom. Yeah, boom. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that one. Boom. Uh, and this is basically... Uh, an allusion back to what I was just talking about earlier when they were looking at the original SARS outbreak. Uh, they started developing some of these uh, uh, gene therapies. They didn't call them vaccines then uh, for trying to deal with this. And this is the one where I said all the animals in their test population died. So like this is kind of what that's alluding to that uh, they have never been successful in developing a vaccine or any type of a, uh, a treatment like that for uh, coronaviruses. And that's why even today, uh, with some of these uh, other uh, COVID vaccines out there, 
uh, like the Johnson and Johnson, that's based on an adenovirus, which is a different type of virus than the coronavirus. So it, it's like it, it just doesn't make sense. They've never been able to successfully develop one. So how in the world did they manage to get this thing together so very quickly? That's that's another thing you have to consider. Uh, let's move down. Let's here jump and down see, to chapter sure four. Yeah, there's Users more juicy beware. stuff in here. I'm sure. FDA promotes miracle cure for spars. Officials recommend use of unsafe spars drug for children. CDC, CDC officials, spars drug may be ineffective. Use it anyway. Now, this sounds remarkably like, uh, what was that stuff called that uh, supposedly Trump you took? And I, I cannot remember the name of it right now. Do you know what I'm referring was it to? The Colo- mm. Remdesivir or something? Was That's that the one, one of or? them, but there was another one. Good. Yeah, I forget what it's called now. I think people uh, do know what we're talking about. But anyway, if you look up what Trump supposedly took, that's it. Uh, it sounds like, and then there, of course, there were people saying that it was nonsense, that, that doesn't do anything. So whatever, whatever the the mixed bag of scenarios were, there was a quote-unquote miracle drug. There was even a, uh, do you remember a video? It was last summer floating around. It was, uh, I remember it was like a middle-aged black lady doctor from Africa, if I remember correctly. Yes, I, she, I remember. She was pushing what that, whatever that is. Uh, I just don't know. Hydroxychloroquine or something like that, was it? Mm, yeah, that might have been. But have anyway, I People, this was really doing the rounds for a while, and they were saying that they're not releasing it. Well, by 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 doing that in the first place, they were trying to convince people that there was something real in the first place that required some kind of drastic measure, which of course there was. I mean, supposedly President Trump had had the thing and uh, was okay in like a day and a half or something like that, wasn't it? Like within three days, he was perfectly fine again. Yeah, amazing, isn't it? He was fine within like three days. It's a, it's amazing stuff, really. But no, uh, this is a pandemic and it's killing swaths of people. So anyway, so that's the chapter four in here. So here we see again a parallel with the nonsense that they laid out with us. Let's see what else we got. Because there's 89 pages in here. We really didn't touch that much on it. Let's see what chapter five says. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot in here. I'm scrolling down. Uh, you go through chapter five there. I'm chapter five going down. viral. Ooh. Reports of negative side effects associated with their make-believe cure began gaining traction in February of 2026. Despite the negative response, public health agencies continued to make progress until February when a video of a three-year-old boy in North Carolina who was hospitalized with spars and began projectile vomiting immediately after taking a dose went viral. <laughs> viral, haha. In the video clip, <laughs> the boy's physician administers a pediatric dose of liquid of the, the make-believe stuff. A few moments later, the boy begins vomiting profusely, chokes, and then faints while his mother shrieks in the background. Uh-huh. Take this vaccine and faint on camera and then disappear. Like 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 a certain nurse. Yeah, amazing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. How all this stuff kind of adds right up. Uh, I think next we should skip down to I think it's chapter nine here. Chapter nine. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're moving forward in time here. Yeah, we got to move down a little bit to get to the good stuff. Okay. Uh, uh, no matter what we get to here, though, the point's been made. I mean, th- come on, folks. Yeah. They have scenario, and, th- and this is not the only one, of course. We went through other stuff, too, before, and there's tons of these documents out there. They've got this shit made up ahead of time. Right. 
All right. Well, I'm just going to sum up chapter nine. Changing here. horses okay. midstream. <laughs> right. Basically, what they're talking about through this chapter is they have these different, uh, quote unquote, drugs or medications that they've been using for it. And guess what? They weren't really working all that well. So they decide to go with a vaccine instead. So that's what this is talking about. So it says down here, uh, it ended by questioning the governor's, the government's other SPARS-related endeavors, particularly the production and promotion of Corovax. The resulting media storm was especially problematic, as Corovax was due to be released in the coming weeks. And then Chapter 10 is where this picks up with the Corovax idea. Head and of I the think line privileges. Exploring. Ooh, <laughs> that sounds familiar. Doesn't it, though? In late 2026, Corovax entered the final stage of its expedited review in the United States. After passing FDA safety reviews, well, that hasn't happened with uh, the real shit, production of the completed vaccine, that should be in parentheses, had begun and was on schedule. 10 million doses were expected to be available by mid-July, with another 20 million doses due by the end of August. With SPARS continuing to spread both within the United States and around the world, demand for a vaccine was still moderately high in spite of recent social media debacles, and every effort was made to increase domestic production capacity. Given the demonstrated morbidity and mortality of SPARS and an anticipation of initial vaccine shortages, ha <laughs> The CDC Advisory Committee on Immunization Practice identified the following priority groups for immunization. Children aged 1 to 18, young adults 19 to 22 with chronic respiratory conditions, and pregnant women. Wow, they did like the exact opposite in, in, in real world. Right, yeah. You see how they, they kind of work that backwards from here because those are the ones that were uh, last on the list now. <laughs> so you, you could see how they, they inverted the whole process here. But nevertheless... It's all written out in black and white in here. Let's continue on with this. All right. This plan was met with skepticism among certain groups. Doctors and nurses, for example, expressed concerns that they were not included as a priority group. <laughs> the exact opposite <laughs> of what actually happened. In Miliwake, healthcare providers even protested their lack of inclusion by refusing to report for work, which, in turn, prompted the Wisconsin Department of Health Services to promise that healthcare providers would be vaccinated as soon as more vaccine became available. Now, this is interesting. Is this a PSYOP within a PSYOP? Because there'd be is. a lot of, yeah, there'd be a lot of uh, medical people, probably higher up, too, reading this kind of crap. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. So I think this is a very real possibility. So maybe a lot of people within the, the medical circles looked at this and thought, you know, uh, we should probably be the first ones since we're on the front lines. We're the front line workers. Yeah. We should be the ones that are given the medical treatment first. Mm -hmm. So see, uh, and that's probably, this is probably a way that they could convince some of these people to do that. Uh, seeing, okay, well, it, it's totally bad if, the, you know, if patients need this medication or whatever or need this vaccination, but nobody's in the medical field showing up for work because they, they're not safe. You know what I mean? So they should be the first ones. So, uh, yeah, this kind of is a PSYOP within a PSYOP, isn't it? <laughs> Jumping down, standing in line, protesting online, which is Chapter 11. Yeah, well... They're, they're kind of here's the funny thing in the real world scenario that's played out those who wanted the damn thing got it and there's actually tons of vaccine left over 
I don't know if anybody right, knows they, that or not, like if that's common knowledge, but yeah, this is what we're hearing, that those who wanted it got it. Right, and they've been throwing out <laughs> doses of it, yeah. too. And, and see, that's the thing, because that's, that's how they started, remember? They were starting with this scarcity model to try and, you know, uh, scare people. you got to run out and get it now because there's not going to be enough, you know? And now they're talking they have so much of it that, you know, now it's a new problem. They have more of it they, that they could use, and, you know, vaccine hesitancy is the big problem. So now they got to try and convince people to take this. So, you know, and they're trying to make it available, like, everywhere. So... Uh, it's it's the opposite problem. I, I don't think it really panned out how they initially thought it would. I think there's enough people that have been speaking out about this, and people have been waking up uh, to all these notions in, in droves. So I think it's kind of backfired on them a little bit, and they're trying to uh, regroup now and do damage control. So they definitely get the whole anti-vax thing in here in, in a chapter. But anyway, I think I think we could wrap it up. I, unless there's anything in particular you want to get in here, Wayne. I, I think we, we proved the point that, once again, they've got scenario upon scenario already thought out ahead of time. And while they didn't use this as an exact playbook, because things probably did get altered a little bit depending upon how society actually reacted for real, uh, I mean, they, they think about this shit and then they, they come up with a plan. I... I've always thought for years, because uh, uh, a little bit of confession here, I used to be a very avid Alex Jones listener many, many years ago, like early 2000s, mid-2000s kind of thing. And, uh, you know, Alex is good for a lot of stuff. There is a massive turd in the punch bowl with him, unfortunately, uh, which is what spoils it, and I figured that out. But he did say a lot of things, and, of course, the, the, the cool thing about Alex, I have to say, is that he does pull from a lot of documents, just like what we're doing. So... And what, oh, what yeah. he was saying a lot of times was about just this whole New World Order, if you want to call it that, whatever it is. Well, we're here, guys. This is it, unfortunately. Uh, they're, tr they're, they're a little behind schedule because if you go back to the old elitist documents from like the late 1800s, early 1900s, they wanted to have complete control by around 2000. That was a big deal. So what happened in 2001? They got shit back on track, didn't they? Oh, yeah. They were... <laughs> uh, they were quite a few years behind at that point so they needed something big and uh you know so they did something big and it, it's the same thing with what's going on now it, it, they're trying to cram in uh like a decade worth of social engineering into one year at this point to try and get back on track yeah and sadly they've been successful with it haven't predominantly they? yeah but, i would say predominantly yeah. but yeah as far as alex jones goes i mean the guy did, and still does to a certain degree, put out some good information. But like you said, there is a massive turd in the punch bowl with a lot of that. But it doesn't discount uh, some of the information he puts out. He does put some good stuff out there. And the thing is, having to have the discernment to be able to sift through the good from the bad with that and still garner some value from it. That's the trick. I mean, you know, even though, like you said, the turd in the punch bowl thing is there. Uh, still, some of what he said, especially in the past. Uh, yeah, he was better years know. ago. He's really a little watched. cuckoo these days, so I'll tell you. Yeah. The guy's about the same age as me. I actually think he's almost a year younger, and oh my god, I mean, he looks like he's, uh, whew, I don't know what he's done to himself. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I, I haven't really watched anything of his for uh, quite a few years now, but I mean, he always did put out good information, like, especially early on, but, uh, 
you know, in, in recent years, he's kind of gone, you know, a little bit more on the loony side. And uh, that that's the thing. He's out there to try and make anybody who looks at that stuff look like an idiot. And that's what his job is, and he's done it well. But that doesn't discount the, the good information he's put out. So that's the thing. I mean, you could uh, – even a broken clock is right twice a day. So with that in mind, you could garner some value from – the stuff that's put out there by what we would call the uh, the quote unquote shills or whatever or the you know the operatives or however you want to refer to any of these type people they still put out enough good information with the you know the nonsense information just so that the good information could get discredited by the nonsense they're putting out and that's how disinformation works yeah uh, so that that's the thing there's it doesn't mean there's less value to some of the stuff they put out because there's good information mixed with it you just have to have that skill of discernment and actually go look and research for yourself and that's the key that's the tool so alex jones and some of the others got to this point where people just believed what they said because early on they put out more good information than bad yeah so you after a couple of years listening to that and, and checking on it and seeing, okay, well, he was actually right about this, then you start to trust him, see? So you don't double-check what he's saying. You just take it as truth, and that's a lot of the problem. So I challenge everybody, even the stuff we're saying, go look for yourself. Like, don't trust what we're saying. We could misinterpret things, you know? We're not right all the time, or, you know, we, we have our own... Uh, biases and stuff that everybody has their own biases so we may look at information and, and garner something different from it but go look for yourself discern for yourself that's the the whole key to everything yeah and yeah he's a little out there these days but um i guess that'll do it wayne anything you want to you want to talk about before we wrap her up here no i think that's that's about it for tonight i mean uh, i think everybody gets the idea at this point that this thing is not random and didn't just happen and it's all coincidence there's a lot of pre-planning that went into it so i think we've made that point abundantly clear here right so let me close this out by the way, I, I never bought into the uh, Alex Jones's Bill Hicks thing. That kind of doesn't <laughs> float right with me. It's funny. Uh, I can see why funny. people would think it, but uh, Bill Hicks is, was a lot taller. I've met Alex Jones. I walked up to him in 2000 and blah, 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 blah. What year was it? 2007. And he was slightly taller than me, and I'm five foot eight. Bill Hicks was like six, six foot, six one, and... Yeah, they're just not the same person. But I can understand why you'd think that. There were a lot of weird coincidences wrapped around the two of them. Yeah, man, I never totally bought into that either. But, you know, who knows? We could be well, nothing would surprise me. That's what. I, that's <laughs> about any of this stuff. I always say, you just never know. And I'm open-minded about it. I just don't dismiss things out of hand unless it's something I, I can personally attest to matter-of-factly. But I didn't know Bill Hicks, and I don't know Alex Jones. So, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm trying to think. I feel like I'm forgetting something. Wayne, am I forgetting anything? Uh, you got anything coming up? I know. Uh, you know. You already talked about what uh, episodes dropping tomorrow. We did. Yeah. So the one thing I want to mention to everybody is there's a free episode for everyone uh, on Crow Triple Seven Radio three twelve point five. We did a breakdown of an interaction with a gentleman who goes by Paul Unslaved, uh, who had <laughs> incredible success funny enough with the police at a traffic stop that he he knew was going to happen because he was driving without plates or any of that stuff so he he was looking 
to have these interactions to try and get try and educate the police basically and he did a killer job so that is free for everyone it's a little over an hour long we have his uh, we played the audio of the video but we have the uh, the links for everything if you want to watch the whole thing because he actually did film it with his uh, with his phone so check that out that is free for everybody and then of course we will uh, be releasing the new episode with uh, Kiefer and his wife uh, Angela and that's where we're going to talk about how they have kept their newest born child out of the matrix and it's uh it's quite a story the system really 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 does not want you to do that they will nag the living crap out of you to get you into that paperwork so check that out that's going to be dropped uh, I think Crow's going to drop it in the morning but you never know with him he might do it late tonight but anyway that'll do it uh, Wayne is do you uh, are you putting anything out soon or are you just uh, kind of taking it as it comes at this point um, I should be doing uh, part two of uh, a new series I just started uh, it was only going to be a one part thing originally but it kind of yeah, I, I get long winded let's put it that way so I started talking so I'm probably going to drop a second part of that and that's talking about uh, the uh, the divine alchemy of the uh, D.B. Randolph's Euless organization so it's it's something I'll be looking at uh, a little bit more of the background of uh, D.B. Randolph and and that kind of thing. So or P.B. Randolph, I can't even I, I'm getting punchy at this point. P.B. Randolph was the guy's name, Pascal Beverly Randolph. Uh, but he was a big influence on uh, um, Dr. Uh, Reuben Swinburne Clymer and various other people within the Rosicrucian Brotherhoods and, and various of the other secret societies. And he's got, had a lot of clout. Uh, within different occult groups, uh, you know, here in the 20th century. And many of their teachings fall back to this one guy, this uh, um, Mr. Uh, uh, P.B. Randolph. So uh, I'll be discussing more of that in, in part two. Part, part one's up on my YouTube channel right now, but I'll be getting a little more into that in part two. And that should be coming up sometime this coming week. Cool. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being here. Hope you enjoyed the discussion of this particular paper, and uh, we should probably be seeing you next week. Take care.